Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. is constructed spontaneously in what is apparently supernatural ease. He crafts a story that will cause the likes of Charles Dickens and William Shakespeare to shake their head and all. For centuries to come, the account will be fodder for poems and ballets and uh, even paintings by the likes of Rembrandt. But I've determined that it is probably best to view this story through a Norman Rockwell filter. And so if you will, for just a moment, we'll see how many of you are willing to do this. I want to ask you to close your eyes and see if we can recreate this scene in your mind. So just for a moment, would you close your eyes and let me see if I can repaint this picture through a Norman Rockwell filter. Peering down the hillside, you see the homestead. It's surrounded by a strong split rail fence. The yard is expansive. The long winding drive cuts down the left side of the property. Cast off toys long forgotten litter the yard and remind you that time has passed quickly. The house is two stories. It's large but not overwhelming. Black shutters flank each window. Landscaping, manicured, and yard trimmed. In the background, barns are well kept. There's swarming activity that can be seen as the investment of hard days in the fields must now be managed. Affluent, but not flashy. Wealthy, but not wasteful. There are prominent features. The windmill, the corrals, the worn-out tire swing under the aged tree that stands towering alone in the front yard. However, the one feature that stands out above all else is the large, inviting wraparound porch that is lined with rocking chairs. A small round table holds the once-used checker set. A sleeping dog is stationed near the screen door. Muddy boots from the field are left on the first step. A gathering place at the end of a long day. Iced tea and lemonade have been shared here. There's no better place for late night cups of hot chocolate in the cool of fall evenings. Dates end in the swing on the far end of the porch where long moments of silence are filled with spectacular views of the star-filled sky. The porch is served as base during intense games of tag. It has served as a safe haven from sudden spring showers. Stories and jokes and serious discussions have found an audience here. Laughs, tears, and life have been experienced on this porch. You can open your eyes. Jesus uses this scene to craft his masterpiece. Uh, With that Norman Rockwell type picture painted in your mind, I'd like to ask you to join me and listen again as Jesus tells his story. It's found in Luke chapter 15, and it goes like this. Then he said, there once was a man who had two sons. 
The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. And so the father divided the property between them. And it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and, and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. And after he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. And he was so hungry that he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. And he said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. And when he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out and embraced him and kissed him. And the son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. The father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants, Quick, bring a set of clothes and dress him. Put on the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. And all this time his older son was out in the field. And when the day's work was done, he came in. And as he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. And calling over one of the house boys, he asked, what's going on? He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef. He must have been from Oklahoma. Because he has, his, his, has him home safe and sound. And the older brother stalked off in an, in an angry sulk, and he refused to join in. And his father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But you have, have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then the son of yours who has thrown away your money on whores shows up, and you go all out with the feast. By the way, people will always believe the worst about you. It doesn't say that he was with prostitutes. It said he wasted all of his money. It doesn't tell us how. But the son makes assumption. People are ma never mind. It's a whole different. So, people, people. His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. See, we're not given an explanation or reasons. When, story, when, when Christ constructs this story, he never gives us the backstory, the reasons. And, and I guess my question is simply this, do they really matter? Does it really matter? Would it help us to know that the cause was rebellion? Does it help us to know that the cause was immaturity, the need for adventure? Or maybe all this took place as a culmination of an argument. Does it really matter? The result, the outcome was the same. The youngest son exits the scene. He grabs the old duffel bag. He empties out his dresser drawers. He stomps down the stairs determined to make it on his own. He leaves his mother shattered in tears. He finds his father in the study and he demands an early inheritance, basically saying to his father in no uncertain terms, I wished you were dead. 
because you don't get an inheritance. Okay. He opens the screen door as his father sits stunned and confused and scarred and scared. And without hesitation or a second thought, this young man steps off the porch and heads into a new story. Why? What was he naive? What was he stupid? Was he tricked? Was he duped? Was he just dumb? Again, does the reason really matter? Because the results were the same. The, 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 the reasons don't change the reality of this simple fact. A son is gone. Now, the story didn't seem to go like the son had imagined because with the soundtrack playing in his mind that sounded like this. I did it my way. That's the soundtrack that was playing in his mind. I, I did this my way. I, I went out and, and, I, and it, with visions of easy street and freedom from rules and no more curfews and friends and fun and true love. That was his intended end. There's only one problem. Reality played a different tune. Yeah, it, it played this tune. Welcome to the jungle. He thought he was going to Easy Street, and he ends up in the jungle. And the Bible in this story, Jesus con constructs this story, and what he says is that, that all of a sudden we go from swanky restaurants to swine slop. We, we go from posh hotels to pig pens. We go to this reality, friends vanish as quickly as our fortune, y'all don't have any friends like that, I know, but as soon as your fortune disappears, your friends disappear, right? And then all of a sudden out of that, famine finalizes his fall. And we can't even imagine this kind of fall. How does somebody end up like this? I mean, let's be honest, he had enough. He, his father was so wealthy and so well established that even though he only received his part of the inheritance, he still had more than enough. He was set up for comfort. He was set up for success. And it makes absolutely no sense that his story should end like this. And we, we struggle to recognize how this happens because we fail to make this understanding a reality in our own mind. Here it is. Here's the understanding that we've got to get this morning. Listen to me carefully. To understand how he winds up so far gone. You have to go back and realize that the final step into the pig pen took place when he took the first step off the porch. Mm. See, here's the truth that you, want, you need to catch this morning. This lesson, there's a lesson that we have to learn together this morning. And if we don't learn this lesson, the rest of the series makes no sense to you. The lesson is simply this. There is safety on the porch. But the moment you go off the porch, you're vulnerable. You're exposed. See, I'm concerned for some of you because your behavior and your attitude and your choices and your habits and your friend selection and your date selection and your Facebook friend selection and your, 
your cell phone reveal to us or at least lead us to believe that you're off your rocker. You've lost your mind. When the truth is, is that you really don't, it doesn't bother you too bad that we think you've, you've lost your mind, that you're off your rocker. But the truth of the situation is really much worse than that. Because the truth is, is that you are not just off your rocker, you are off the porch. And Jesus reveals to us that if you move off the porch, then you are no longer protected because favor must be stewarded. Let me see if I can help you. The truth is, is that enemies are after you. Bad news, the devil's job description never changes. John 10.10 is still true, will always be true. It doesn't matter what century we live in. John 10.10 never changes. The enemy is after you. He desires only three things for you and none of them are good. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's it. That's his job description in a nutshell. That is his desire. So enemies are after you. And they, are, they have been after you all the time. Here's the truth. They just couldn't get to you. The, the, the plotters, the gold diggers, the heartbreakers, they were there in abundance all along. The only thing was they couldn't get to the sun because the sun was on the porch. And as long as he's on the porch, he's being protected by the Father. And the truth of us is that, truth for us this morning is simply this, is that many of us are, are um, in cahoots. Y'all don't know that word. I'm looking at somebody, what? Y'all are, y'all are partnering with the enemy of your soul. The, the truth this morning is that the enemies we blame have been aided and abetted by those of us who have chosen to step off the porch and therefore we, stop, we step out from under the protection and the oversight of God. Uh, y'all, y'all not going to like this sermon, but I'm going to have to preach it anyway. See, see here's, here's the truth that we need to learn this morning is that the Father cannot protect those that won't obey. Won't obey. That's what this account shows us, is that there's a son that exits the scene and he refuses to obey. And the moment that he walks into disobedience, he walks out from under the protection of God. And he suffers the consequences and he can blame the famine and he can blame, he can blame all those poor friends. And he can, he can blame the economy and he can blame all these things. But the truth is, it was his choice. See, the father could protect the son from fake friends and famine and failure when he was on the porch. But when he stepped off the porch, here's the truth, he was on his own. And we failed to realize that the instructions that we like to resist and that we choose to ignore are not to control us, but rather they are an expression of his protective custody. Y'all missed that. That was too good not to say it again. We don't like some of the commands we've received, and we don't like the instructions that he give us, gives us. Therefore, we resist them or we ignore them, and we totally miss it that they are, are simply an expression of God's protective custody, and he's trying to look out for your best interest even when it makes you uncomfortable. And so Satan couldn't get to Job. Because there was a hedge of protection built around him. And as long as you're on the porch, daddy's in charge, daddy's watching out, ain't nobody getting to his boy. But as soon as son steps off the porch, boom, enemies pounce. See, the enemy knows that if we fail to obey and we decide in our own wisdom because we're all so smart. 
And we know how to do this thing so much better than a God that is out there somewhere. The enemy knows that at the moment we fail to obey, we become vulnerable. Because in order to protect us, if you step off the porch and in disobedience and choose to ignore the instructions that God has placed around us and you choose to go your own way, then you turn and you pray for God to protect you. The enemy recognizes that the Father cannot protect you in that situation because he would have to violate his own word. And he won't do it. So while you're on the porch, the enemy doesn't like you. But he just can't get to you. I, I need to help somebody this morning. Make mo no mistake about it. There are people that are right now plotting against you that will never be able to carry out their plots as long as you stay on the porch. But the moment that you decide that you can do this by yourself and you step off the porch, lo and behold, their plots begin to work. Just trying to help you. See, you're simply out of reach on the porch, but once you become, in your own mind, I'm going to do what I want to do, and you step off, they pounce. Herein lies the dilemma, because here's how we operate. We pray for a hedge. Anybody in here pray, God, every morning I pray for my kitchen. Put a hedge of protection. God, I plead the blood. Put a blood. Y'all yeah, are Pentecostal, so we plead the blood. Put a bloodline around them. Right? Yeah, okay, I just know how y'all are. We, we pray for a hedge, and we believe for a hedge, and we want, a we want the protection of the porch, but we want to live a far-off life. And so here's how it goes. Y'all, 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 some of y'all been shouting me. Y'all going to get real quiet right now because I'm going to come where you live because some of you stepped off the porch. We won't tithe. And then we can't understand why our finances are attacked. Well, because you're off the porch. I knew it. I knew I would get no amens there. We won't forgive. They did me wrong. But you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, but you need to forgive. I can't forgive them. You don't know. I will go to the grave. I will hold. I'm bitter. And then you wonder why you're sick. Because you're off the porch. Shoot. You won't serve. Nah, I'm too busy to serve. Then you wonder why you're lonely. And nobody knows you. And you don't feel fulfilled. I don't have any destiny. Because you're off the stinking porch. You won't guard your eyes or your mind and then you can't figure out why there's no peace and there's no ability to stay pure. I can help you this morning. It's because you're off the porch. Well, I don't want to put filters on my computer. Well, tough whoopee-doo. I started to say something else and it got you in trouble. Got me in trouble. Tough. That's the porch. As long as we're on the porch and we're obeying and we're allowing the, the God to protect us, we're good. But when we can do it, I'm going to play it my way, bro. I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough. Baloney. There ain't one guy in here strong enough. Not one. Not one. We sow and then we're shocked when we reap. Because we're off the porch. Our problem is, is this, we do evil in the eyes of God and never see it 
as evil in our eyes. And as soon as we step into evil in the eyes of the Father, here's a newsflash, protection disappears. I'm concerned because I think what we do, especially as Pentecostals, this is what we do. We demand a word. God, I need a word. I'll chase a prophet down if I have to. I ain't going to read it for myself. I just need a word. Bring me a word. I got like 92 Bibles on my shelf, but I don't need that word. I need a word. Right? We want a word. We demand a word. You go to church one Sunday and don't get a word, and you'll find a new church because you're Pentecostal, and that's how we do things. So if you, I got to have a word. Yeah? But we don't obey the word that we get. We're, we're educated beyond our level of, of obedience. How many words do you need? How about just simply obeying the word? You've already been, okay. I started meddling, quit preaching, and see, I've discovered something. Halfway obedient leads to complete uncovering. I'm just going to obey the parts I like. I just won't read those other sections. See, see, to stay on the porch, let me help you this morning. You ought to know this from being parents. Those of you that have children, you ought to know this. To stay on the porch, you've got to obey. Here's what I've learned. Miracles always occur on the other side of obedience. That's where David kills Goliath. That is where the children of Israel obtained the promised land. That's what took place when Jesus told Peter to cast his net on the other side of the boat. It was not... There was nothing, it was not connected to, to the other side of the boat. It wasn't like there were fish on one side, fish on, on not on the other. And so I, Jesus has like this fish finder. I want that kind of fish finder. Jason, I mean, you need to talk about that. We need to find that fish finder. It, it wasn't like he had a fish finder, a garment or something that showed him, well, there's fish on this side. No, it all had to do with this. The miracle took place on the other side of obedience. When, when the fisherman said, you know what, I will obey you. Even though I've been fishing longer than you and I am a professional fisherman and I've done this before and there ain't no fish over here because I know better. Because they're always on the shadow side of the boat. Y'all don't know nothing about that, Jason. We know what we're talking about. In the shadow. And now you want me to throw the net in the sunlight? Are you crazy, Jesus? You're not. You're a poor fisherman. But even though it makes no sense, I will obey and lo and behold, because miracles always take place on the other side of obedience. Noah had to build an ark without rock monsters for the coming flood in order to find safety. Abraham had to leave his familiar surroundings to discover a new dream. Moses had to stretch out his hands over the Red Sea to experience deliverance. Esther had to boldly go into the king's presence before God rescued his people. All about obedience. The ten lepers had to make their way to the priest before they were healed. They'd been touched by Jesus, but the stipulation was, go show yourself to the priest. Well, I feel better. Y'all prayed for me. Yeah, but the obedience level says we prayed for you to quit smoking. You've got to quit buying the cigarettes. We prayed for you to quit messing up on the internet. Now you've got to install the filter. We prayed for you to get out of debt. Go home and cut up the credit cards. I can't get no help. The, the blind man had to go wash in the pool before Jesus gave him his sight. The four men had to open the roof to let their sick friend down at Jesus' feet. Paul and Silas had to sing and pray while they were still stuck in jail so that God could shake the building and give them hope in the midst of hopelessness. Come on now. In every case, 
Obedience was desired and required for the miracle. Now, what I am not saying is that every time you're obedient, there will be a miracle. Because many of you have been obedient and you, and you still see no miracle. I get that. I can't promise you a miracle, but what I can promise you is this. If you're ever going to see a miracle, it will more than likely come on the other side of obedience. And if you continue to disobey, you will not see. That's the guarantee I can give you. If you continue to disobey, you will not see a miracle. See, we want off the porch because we feel like we're being restricted and ruled to death. We feel like our father is a killjoy and wants to keep us from having fun. Oh, by the way, if you think porch life is tough, exit the porch. Ask the younger son, which is harder. See, here's the truth, and then I'll get out of your way this morning. I need you to catch this. The truth this morning is this. He places us on the porch for our protection, and he fences us in. To keep us from famine. Some of you, if you would recognize that the fences that God is placing around your life. I don't like these friends. But God's placed them in my life. I don't like the restrictions. I I don't want to hand my phone to my wife. And her have to do the code on covenant eyes so I can check out what I need. I don't want to sit down with somebody and show them my budget or lack thereof. I don't want anybody to ask me the difficult questions about my spiritual condition. He fences us in. To keep us. He's our father. It's protective custody. He has you fenced in for one reason. And one reason only. To keep you from experiencing famine. He loves us that much. See this, 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 this story reveals to us some of the warning signs that indicate that we have stepped off the porch. It's not enough for me to stand up here and tell you, don't step off the porch. Can I share with you three or four quick ones uh, of indications that maybe in some area of your life you have now stepped off the porch and, and in doing so, you have now become vulnerable to the enemy because the enemy has been plotting and he has no other desire than to destroy you. So you need to know what the warning signs are so that if you're in the process of stepping off, you can go, whoa, wait a minute, I think I'll take that back and I'll change. Let me help you quickly. You know you are off the porch when obedience is cast off for preference. I'm told not to do this, but my preference is I want to do this. And so although God has spoken to me, 
It may not even be in black and white in his word. It's one of those gray areas that the word doesn't necessarily uh, attack head on. But the, the, the Holy Spirit has brought conviction in your heart. But my preference is I prefer this so I want to do what I want to do even though I know in my own heart this is what God said don't do. At that moment you've stepped off the porch. Because this isn't about your preference. When you're willing to obey commands you like and that you agree with and that you're comfortable with and you dismiss all the others, you've stepped off the porch. You know you are off the porch when obedience is cast off for choice. Get this one. And when you are wrapped up in selfishness rather than service. Boy, I'm trying to help you this morning. Some of you are stepping off the porch because it's all about you and you're so self-centered and it's about if I get what I need and I get what I want and I really don't care about anybody else and I ain't serving nobody. I got my life. That's where this guy was. I ain't serving you, Daddy. I got a life to live. I got things to do. You know you are off the porch. Please, please, if you don't get any of the rest of them, please get this one because this one hits us all. This one gets us all right here. You are off the porch when you are willing to attach yourself to someone or something that will encourage you to sin or lower your standards. Y'all forgot forgot who Jesus was. Jesus is a Jew. Jews don't do bacon. They don't deal with pigs. And in the story... This guy attaches himself out of desperation to a citizen who encourages him and even commands him and assigns him to go live life in an air. Lower your standards for just a little bit. It ain't bad. I know that church is telling y'all it's bad. I know, I know, I know that 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 boyfriend telling you it's bad, that girl, that husband. But y'all, just come on and do what we're doing. Everybody's doing this. Not everybody. And last but not least, you know you're off the porch when you are not only willing, but you long for what you would have avoided and abhorred previously. Y'all don't make me talk about movies. I don't want to talk about movies. I mean, we... How is it that people that are called to holiness that 20 years ago would abhor movies that we now gladly I can't get no help in here. I, le- I, I have marked myself up here all by my lonesome. Ain't nobody helping me. Previously, it's not just about movies. Please don't misunderstand me. It's in every aspect of life. Previously, when we were really in the confines of where God would have us, we would have never done what we do now. And we would have never laughed at what we laugh at now. And we would have never talked about what we talk about now. And we would never go where we're going now. And we would have never done what we're doing now. That is a surefire indication that something has happened in our life and we have stepped off the porch. And the moment you step off, enemy goes, great day to be Satan. 
said, I'm getting ready to destroy you. And we're off the porch going, what in the world happened? I don't understand. I was like all blessed yesterday. So what does all this mean? It means some of us need to get back on the porch. We need to come to our senses. We, some of us simply need to do this. We need to have a come to ourselves moment. I want you to have a come to Jesus moment. But some of you can't have a come to Jesus moment until you have a come to yourself moment. Because this guy sat in a pig pen, came to his senses. And the reason he came to his senses was, here it is, because he hurt. And some of you are hurting and begging God to get rid of the pain. And God is saying, uh-uh, baby, that pain is going to continue because that pain is going to be the driving force that will cause you to come to your senses so that in turn you can come back to me. So you can pray all you want to and no relief. Because he's trying to get your attention. Our life is spiraling downward because we walked off the porch and disobeyed. And I believe what hap is happening is the Father is calling out to us, get back on this porch. I don't know if y'all have any memories like that, but I have some memories growing up where there were things in my neighborhood like a, a mean dog running down the street and I'm playing out in the front yard and mama or daddy would open up the door and say, get back on this porch. Because they recognize that if I was on the porch... They could protect me and keep me from pain. But if I kept my hind end out there in the front yard, I was most likely going to fall to some pain and some injury. When the bully walks down the street, get back on the porch. When the tornado's coming, get back on this porch. When disaster is about to strike, get back on this porch. Some of you need to understand that the enemy is out there and he's declaring things over your life. Death and destruction and pain and sickness and brokenness and heartache. And if you would hear the father cry get back on this porch if you would make up your mind to get back in the confines of his protection you could avoid the disaster that has been planned for you and so you need to have a come to yourself meeting and then turn that into a come to Jesus meeting and get yourself back where you should be so I'm calling you back to boundaries, and I'm calling you back to obedience, and I'm calling you back to fences, even when you don't like them. Father, the truth is, is that some of us have stomped down the stairway of our life. And we've demanded favor and protection and a word. And we stomp off in disobedience. And then we're shocked when life doesn't go the way we thought it should. In fact, when it comes right down to it, what we begin to do is we don't blame our own disobedience. We blame you. It's your fault. You didn't, know, you didn't protect me. You didn't look out for me. And we fail to recognize that in our own disobedience, we have walked ourselves into vulnerability and exposure. And so, God, I pray over every person under the sound of my voice, I'm praying that they would connect the dots. 
I, I don't have the ability to connect those dots in their life. Only you do. So, Father, I pray this morning at this very moment, individuals would begin to connect, connect the dots in their life and they would begin to examine every area of their life, their spending habits, their friends, who, where they go, their entertainment choices. Every aspect of their life, they would examine that. And they would ask this very hard question. Am I obedient to what the Father has said to me? And if the answer is no, then God, I pray the famine they're experiencing right now and the pain they're experiencing right now would cause them to come to their senses and they would march right back to the porch into the safety and the favor and the covering of a father's love. God, that requires painful soul searching for each of us. That requires those of us that are saved in this room, that have a relationship with your son, to realize that you've called us not to just be saved, but you've called us to be whole. And our ability to be whole is contingent upon our willingness to obey. And so God, I, I, I ask that nobody under the sound of my voice right now would give themselves a free pass. Instead, I pray that each of us would begin to search every aspect of our life right now and determine where we're walking in disobedience and correct it right now. Right now. In this moment. As they play, would you just sit there a moment and search your own life? Would you have a come to yourself moment where you're honest about your standards and what you now accept that you used to not would have accepted? Would you be honest about your choices? I could just press, press in your presence, behold the beauty of your face. If I could just press, come on, search your heart. Examine every relationship right now. to examine our own heart our own choices 
now I pray that we would have a moment that we come back to you. We would realize that safety is only found in your presence. And it is obedience that ushers us into your presence. I pray that we would take the steps necessary in our own life. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me this morning? We're going to do something together. Goofy, I know. But necessary, I think. They're going to sing again here in just a second. And when they do, it's your time to have that come to Jesus moment where you make things right. Any area of disobedience is submitted. Any choice and preference battle is resolved. And when you come to that place that you sense that you're standing back on the porch, you're taking that step. God, I'll I'll lay down my viewing habit. I'll lay down my purchasing choices. I'll break off this friendship. I'll lay this place down. Whatever it takes, God, I will obey you. When you come to that moment in the natural, would you do something that's taking place in the supernatural? Just right there where you stand. Would you just, if physically able, would you just take a... a, a signifying that at this very moment, what's taking place in the supernatural in my spiritual life is I'm literally taking a step right back onto the porch and the fence is closing in around me and I find myself favored once again and blessed once again and obedient once again. The candidate for a miracle. The candidate for a breakthrough. The candidate now for everything that you have for me. The enemy can't get to me because I'm on the porch. Would you come to that place and make that step right now? Come on as they sing again. Would you do that? Submit your life to him. If I can just press press your presence hold the beauty of your face If I can just where you've come to you've had that moment you've submitted everything to him if you haven't done it already maybe you need to do it again as a reminder would you just step up right now on that porch and feel the protection of the Holy Spirit come around you and recognize that he's got you fenced in and the enemies and the plots and and the, the disaster that was out there for you has now been thwarted and broken and the power of the enemy to reach you he can't get to you you're like Job. There's a hedge of protection around. Some of you parents need to do this for your children. You can't do it for them, but you can start praying right now. God, bring them back to the porch, I pray in the name of Jesus. Put that hedge of protection around my family in the name of Jesus. Let me become 
confident in the presence I experience on the porch. Let me not substitute anything else but the book. God, I need your favor. I need your protection. I need your strength over my life. Fence me in again, I pray. Fence me in. Fence me in. Fence me in, Father. Father, if there's one in this room this morning, or maybe they're watching live over the internet right now and they don't know you. They're that son that's far off. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would woo them and recognize, help them to recognize that you love them so much you just want them back. They don't have to clean up. They, they, they don't have to clean up. You'll do that. And in their present condition, far away from the Father, I pray that they would begin to make a mad dash towards you. And they would have that relationship that you desire with them. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I don't know Jesus. And I'm like that son. I, I, I've run from the Father. But now I recognize that my life is incomplete. The enemy's controlled me and he's tried to destroy me. But I want to go back to my Father. And I, I want relationship with him this morning. If that's you, would you do this with me as a step towards the Father? Would you just simply make a move and raise your hand and you can pull it right back down? We will not embarrass you this morning. I need Him. I want to make things right with my Heavenly Father. Is there one this morning that would say, that's where I am? Father, you know our hearts. Teach us that your thoughts and your plans for us are good. The only time we really get in any trouble is when we try to do things our own way. And I pray today that we would enjoy porch life with you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you turn and tell your neighbor right now? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.